morning. It's wonderful to be with you today. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. So no Hawks, but um, you know, if, if you're like me, our family, we just, we just shift over. We're Packers. Uh, it's all Packers today. So excited about that. And uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, go all the way, my man. And, and I will tell you, and this is a little controversial, I know, but um, uh, this afternoon, like later, Steelers. Are the McCorkles here? Where are the McCorkles? Yeah, we're cheering for the Steelers today. I, I, the room's mixed, right? You don't know who to hate. But uh, I will say this. If you remember when we lost to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, it wasn't their fault that the refs gave them the game. Like that's, so you can't really hate the Steelers. They didn't win. They just, they just got a hand. Oh, yeah, never mind. Um, Big news this weekend, obviously, you probably are aware, you saw CNN or any of the front page of any of the papers, the, the uh, women marching all over the world, every continent, including Antarctica. Now, that's impressive, friends. Antarctica and, uh, and it, many men as well and children and uh, obviously there were sort of many different messages that were being kind of lauded, many different signs and, and all that stuff and can't speak to all of those. But let me be really, really clear just so you know sort of the, where Overlake stands. It shouldn't be a shock to anybody, but when it comes to equality or equal opportunity or equal pay for equal work or ending sexual harassment or ending domestic violence or ending the normalization of misogyny. We are with you, women. We love you and we stand together. And uh, many of our friends were there uh, in Seattle marching, some even in D.C. And just so really, really kind of an exciting thing. Bigger picture. Let me, let me go even one step bigger. Bigger picture is I love that we live in a democracy where th there is power to the people, and we do have the freedom to assemble and uh, to peacefully march and protest. So can we get like a cheer for that reality, that that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, uh, and uh, it actually is a good segue into showing up, right? Women showed up yesterday. We're going to talk about showing up today and with our feet, and so that's obviously appropriate. If you uh, want to grab your notes out of your handout, we are in the third week of this series, and, and um, what we have tried to do is we've tried to talk about first week, we have to show up. The call to Jesus followers is that we show up with our head, and what that means is with the right mentality, the right perspective, that we are to show up to be a blessing. We are to show up to serve, right? That's the, the mentality we need. And then we're to show up with our hands. And that means it can't just be good intentions that we travel with, but we actually have to show up and, and serve tangibly, that there needs to be visible expressions of our service and our blessing in the world. Uh, today, we're talking about showing up with our feet. And this is the journey element to this. This is the, the willingness to move. It's our readiness to go. Uh, and, and the aspect that Jesus commands are all about. And so for us, showing up with our feet is, is about the willingness to walk across the room to start a conversation. It's about the willingness to walk across the street to begin a friendship. It's about our willingness to drive across the city to serve homeless teens. It's about our willingness to fly across the ocean to share God's love. 
And so all of this, today's entire conversation requires a posture of movement, a posture of readiness, a a posture of being willing to go and to use our feet to get where it is that God wants us to be and to show up there. And I I want to say right away that many of us, we, we are already a little challenged, we're already a little insecure with this idea of going because we don't feel all that confident when we go, this, the, the idea of showing up on our feet really causes us this insecurity. And I would say it, it's a little bit similar for some, like um, whenever I am challenged to stretch, right? Whenever I'm challenged to hold these stretching poses, I get all shaky and I fall over, I lose my balance. And, and some of us, this challenge actually feels the same. In fact, we found a video kind of perfectly speaks to this. Go ahead, maybe you feel like the bear in this video. I wore the wrong socks. Have you tried the hot dogs here? He's like, ah. Do you get to go home for the rest of the day? <laughs> He's not going to be much use to us, I don't think. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get my deposit. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get my deposit back. And Wiper Mitsubishi is a proud sponsor of Golden Goat for Hockey. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just nerdy enough to think that's hilarious. I love how the bear just stays down, like, uh, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> okay, so the challenge to show up with our feet, uh, come, come back to me, come on, stay, stay with me here. The challenge to show up with our feet is actually, it, it, this is not a church thing, it's not a mic thing, it's, it's a Jesus thing. And so we want to unpack a passage of scripture, the key passage of scripture, very foundational for us if we're following Jesus, if Jesus is the one that we want to model our lives after and listen to. And and so it's found in this passage in Matthew chapter 28. It's the very, very end of the book of Matthew. Matthew was an eyewitness account to Jesus' uh, ministry and miracles. He he was one of the disciples of Jesus. The book of Matthew is all about the birth and the ministry of Jesus, the crucifixion, and then at the end, the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus now in this passage, he, he's risen from the dead. He's already been crucified, laid in the tomb. Now he is risen. And by the way, I would say this is the chief miracle. This is the event that all of Christianity, all of Jesus' followership is based upon the resurrection. And so it's after that where Jesus has gathered his disciples together. And now he is, he's going to have sort of a final Hey, this is what's really, really important. I never want you to forget this. I always want you to be about this. And and so this is the conversation he's going to have with his disciples. Matthew 28, we'll start in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
I'd love to have you keep looking at that passage for a moment. In fact, what you'll notice as you look at the passage is that there are four essential alls, right? There are some alls that Jesus calls out, and you might want to circle these. I have been given all authority, he says. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Uh, Teach them to obey all the commands I have given you. Be sure of this. I am with you always. So those are the four alls that that are very important. And we're going to unpack these. We're going to kind of go into a little bit of, of uh, detail and, and tease the realities of these commands out. But the first, let's start with all authority. Let's start with that. All authority has been given to Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus, when he lived and when he taught and when he performed his miracles, he, he had authority given to him. And he was aware of the unique authority that he had. But it's very, very interesting how Jesus operated out of authority and the, the way in which he sought to use his authority. If you were here last week, we talked about showing up with our hands. We talked about how Jesus redefined greatness in his kingdom. And he said, in, in the, the, the world and every kingdom you've ever seen before, authority looks like this, that you would lord authority over other people, that you would gather authority and power to yourself so that you could boss others around, so that you could make others serve you. That's what it looks like in every other kingdom. But in my kingdom, he says, it's going to be totally different, that if you want to be great, you serve. Right? And so he flipped the whole thing upside down. And so here's a passage from John chapter 13, which really, really personifies it. It's just a beautiful image and picture of what Jesus was talking about. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. You might want to circle that phrase. He had authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. That is a redefinition of authority. All authority has been given to me. The first act that I'm going to do as someone who is aware of all of the authority is I'm going to put a towel around my waist, I'm going to get down on my knees, and I'm going to wash some feet. And if you know that passage as it continues, Jesus then says to his disciples, as you've seen me do, that's what I want you to do. So it's that reality of redefinition. And and so we see that as Jesus operates and he understands his authority, he always chose, in fact, the, the phrase I used in the first service, it's a veiled authority. That Jesus, he, cho- he chose to keep it under wraps. He chose to keep his authority and his glory under wraps and, and, and to operate out of a posture of humility, to operate out, out of a posture of servanthood. And, and, and he, there were times when he would issue commands, but often what he would do is present choices and he would give invitations and he would allow people to choose their own pathway and, and to choose to connect with the Lord and to choose to walk in, in the way of Jesus. And, and, and so it wasn't this overbearing kind of a command thing. But I want you to see that in this passage in Matthew 28, it is a little different. Because what Jesus is doing before he begins to issue a command, he wants to remind his disciples because of the horror of the crucifixion and the reality of the miracle of the resurrection, 
I want to call to your attention that all authority has been given to me, and now I'm going to command you to do something. And by way of analogy, you know I'm a dad. Many of you know I'm a dad. I have three kiddos in my home, and I have authority in my home with my kids, right? There's, there's a certain amount of authority that's there. But most often, what I choose to do, how I choose to operate in my authority, is through serving, right? It, it, it's through caring for them, providing a platform for their lives to grow and to be built upon. And, and so what I spend most of my energies toward, how I, how I use my authority in my home mostly is for protection and provision. It's for guidance and for grace. Those are the ways that I operate out of authority. But I want to be honest, there are times when I remind my children of my authority as their dad, and then I issue some instructions which I expect to be obeyed. Does this make sense? And I, I'm not there all the time, and I'm certainly not one of those domineering kind of a dads, but there are occasionally times when I'll be, guys, 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 listen, I am your dad. Here is the deal. Do it. And, and you know, to their, to their success in living, they do, right? I, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. But I want you to see that's what Jesus has got going on with his disciples here. He's gathering them, right? They, he, he's, he's raised again from the grave. He's with them. He's gathered them all together. This is the last conversation he's going to have with them. And he says, let me remind you that because of the crucifixion and the resurrection, because of my long obedience to my father, all authority in the universe has been given to me by my dad who is God right like that'll wake you up that's a statement that should get your attention right there and then if you're filling in the blanks he says therefore right because of that therefore go therefore go you're to show up with your feet. You're to let God lead and to let your feet move. You are not to live a sedentary life. Don't stay put. This is a plyometric faith. This is a dynamic belief. And oh, the places you'll go, he says. Very Dr. Seussian, right? Jesus is the one who establishes our faith journey as an adventure. You don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know what lives you're going to impact. You don't know what is the, the way that God's kingdom will manifest itself as you go with him. You just don't know. It's an adventure. My boys and I are watching Lord of the Rings uh, again, and it's interesting, this same theme, this, this unexpected adventure that the main character Frodo gets swept off into, and if you know the books, you know even his uncle warns him of this reality. Uh, Bilbo, actually speaking to Frodo, he says, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off Two, same thing with our faith. You know, we get swept off our feet by our faith, by this love relationship, this journey with Jesus as we go. And Jesus doesn't say, therefore, stay. Stay is not the command. 
Right? Stay, stay is not the position that Jesus' followers rest in. Now, maybe I, will, I, I just want to be super honest because a lot of times we have to think subtly. We have to think realistically. Maybe you're in a season where stay is the call for you, but I would qualify it. It's a temporary call. It might be a call because you're finishing some education. It might be a call because you are, um, you're healing from an illness. It might be a call because this is actually a really big growth season for you spiritually, and, and God's got you here to learn some lessons wherever it is that you are. Maybe you are to stay where you are right now. You're to stay because you just need rest, and rest is a gift from God, and God wants you to rest. So maybe that's for you right now. But here's the deal. You might just want to write the word temporary. If you're called to stay, it's a temporary call, not permanent. No, no, the default posture of the Jesus follower is the call to go. That's our posture, right? And, and that is what we see so often in Scripture. That's what's called a step of faith. And it is a little bit nerve-wracking sometimes to take that step of faith because we don't know exactly how the result is going to be. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. We cannot sort of predict the future, not sort of. We can never predict the future. And so taking a step of faith is really, really difficult for some of us. But here's the thing we have to rest in, and that is if you're going because you are following God's lead, then God is holding you the entire time. See, this is what the scripture says in Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And that should be incredibly confidence-building for us. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we go with the Lord. The Lord upholds us as we go. Right now, I, I, I'm in the... I'm sort of prepping for a trip that Pastor Josh and I are taking in a week or so. We're flying over to Israel. And the team that we are going with, it's part Bellevue Presbyterian, part Overleg team. What our desire is and all the meetings that we have set up, it's to pray for and to meet with those who are involved in the peace process in Israel. So we'll be meeting with Israelis and Palestinians. We'll be meeting with, with Christians and with uh, some Jewish folks. And we'll be meeting with some Muslims who are all interested and who are dynamically working toward establishing peace in that area. And we go, we want to go, we want to learn from them and we want to encourage them. Why? Because we serve the Prince of Peace. And so we want to be an agent of peace. And, and so that's kind of one of those sayings. We need to go, and, and it's a part of that faith journey. We trust that the Lord will hold us up as we go. And I know we're talking about feet. We're talking about showing up with our feet. Some of you, if you're honest, you have, a really, you have an issue with your feet. You don't like your feet. Others of you, you, you think to yourself, you, you've got a, a, actually a big issue with feet in general. You just, you just hate feet, like, like that whole concept. My buddy Danny was like this. If, if he was here today and we're talking about feet, he literally, he'd like pass out or throw up. Like it just, he's a squeezy about feet. But the Bible has a very specific modifier for feet for those who go when the Lord tells them to go. And the Bible says your feet are beautiful. If you're the one going in the name of the Lord, if you're the one going to follow where God's leading you, your feet 
are beautiful. This is what the scripture says in Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Look at this. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. So Jesus calls his followers to go. Go. And not only go, but go and make disciples. That's the next filling. Go and make disciples. Show up and show Jesus. We're to act and to speak in such a way that it is evident that Jesus is our teacher, that Jesus is our guide, that Jesus is our leader, and we're to help others understand and come to view Jesus like that in their lives as well. As some of you, you hear this call to make disciples and you think, well, I, I can't do that. I, I'm not that great of a disciple myself. How could I disciple someone else? I get confused thinking about faith and salvation and heaven and the angels and even the Bible. And, and truthfully, sometimes I have doubts about some of this stuff. And if that's you, let me give you some good news this morning. Remember, we started in Matthew 28, the very end of the book of Matthew, where, where Jesus had gone through the crucifixion and the resurrection. He had had this incredible earthly ministry with incredible miracles, and now he's got his disciples all gathered around him. I want you to look at the verse before the one we started. This is verse 17 in Matthew 28. It's talking about the disciples. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Look at this. But some of them doubted. That should be a big sigh of relief for you, right? Some of the disciples doubted. These are the disciples that have been with them the entire time. They'd seen him crucified. Now they're seeing him resurrected. And it says, but some of them, if they doubted, there's definitely hope for you, okay? And, and yet what's interesting is even though they may have doubted, they still followed his command. They still chose to show up. They still chose to go and to make disciples. And many of you know this, but all of the disciples were sent. And all of the disciples had successful missions and ministries. Um, <clears throat> I say all. There is a qualification, not Judas, uh, but all the other disciples. Um, but for instance, Thomas, Thomas, who's known as the Doubting Thomas, he ends up going off into Syria and eventually into India. Uh, the disciple Andrew goes into Turkey and Greece and even as far north as present-day Russia. Uh, Philip, the disciple, goes the other direction across North Africa and into Ethiopia. They literally showed up with their feet bringing the good news of peace, bringing the good news of salvation. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, 14, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Underneath that passage, I'd love to have you write, we are the sent ones. We are the sent ones. If you're a follower of Jesus, all authority has been given to him. Therefore, he commands us to go and make disciples. We are the sent ones. Now for me, discipleship has always felt just a little intimid intimidating. 
This idea of discipleship and what discipleship entails, it's a little intimidating. I've been thinking about it, I've been wrestling with it actually for quite some time now, and I've kind of boiled discipleship down to a word that is much more intuitively true for me, and you might want to write this down, think about this. It's the word mentorship. Discipleship is simply mentorship in a spiritual direction. And, and so, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but I, I, I just want you to see this idea of mentorship, that, that what we want to do is we want to, as we live out our relationship with Jesus, as we seek to follow Jesus and honor Jesus, we are mentoring others to do the same thing in their lives. And that, that kind of breaks it down and makes it a lot more manageable for some of us. So Jesus says, go, make disciples, this next fill-in, of all the nations. Of all the nations. Go into all the world, to all peoples. By the way, this is a comprehensive command. This is as inclusive as it gets. Nobody gets left behind. Go to all, bring God to all. Show up and share God's love with all. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, regardless of status or gender or ethnicity or location, God loves you, and we show up to say so. We show up to show God's love. Now, of course, the nations are right here in our country and specifically in this county that we live in. God has already brought the nations to Seattle and to the east side. It's possible for you to visit the nations without owning a passport. Lake Washington School District, some of you already know this, has 102 languages that are spoken in it. This is an incredible, Bellevue is a minority majority city. So you need to understand this is a reality that God has already crafted and we need to make sure that we're willing to be his hands and feet, to use our feet to show up and to bring his love here, right? So this command of Jesus to go into all the nations, it is a command that is about Loving the person who doesn't look like you might look, doesn't act like you might act, doesn't speak like you might speak, and doesn't believe like you might believe. And for some of us, that is challenging. And the challenge is when we get in that context, when we think about that context, we're tempted to judge. But I want you to see that, that judging, it might be an easier response, but judging really shuts down the invitation that Jesus is offering to you as well as to the other person. I'm remembering a, a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And take a look at this. It's really profound. He writes, judging others makes us blind, whereas love is illuminating. Think about that for a moment. When you judge someone, you can't see them. But when you love someone, suddenly you can see all kinds of things about them. Love is illuminating. By judging others, we blind ourselves to our own evil, right? We forget our own evil. And we blind ourselves to the grace which others are just as entitled to as we are. How beautiful is that? And that's the command that Jesus says, I want you to go. And I want you to make disciples of all nations, whether it's across the globe or across town. 
This is a command we need to wrestle with and obey. Go, make disciples of all nations, next feeling, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And specifically, the note I want to make about this is as we teach others, as as we teach others, we want to make sure that we give space in their process of learning and growing. We want to give grace as we teach in, in the process of learning and growing. And I was reminded this week, I want you to think about this, every person that Jesus called to follow him, that attached themselves to Jesus and became his disciples, every person that Jesus called, when he called them, was a sinner, and when he called them, was an unbeliever. Nobody who began to follow Jesus believed that he was the Son of God. Everyone that he called was a a sinner and an unbeliever, and yet something amazing happened. A process of spiritual growth happened as people followed him. As Peter followed him, as he trusted Jesus with one part of his life and then maybe another part of his life and then another part of his life, Peter found that Jesus was trustworthy. And so Peter's life began to change and transform. And and by the time that Jesus issues this command over Peter's life, Matthew 28, at the end of of, uh, this discipleship process, Peter's ready to take on the world. But it took, it took time. It took process. And there were, there were starts and stops, right? Same thing with, with Matthew. Same thing with John. That, that as they, they decided, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to offer you this part of my life. I'm going to surrender this part of my life to you. They found Jesus trustworthy. And so the more they found him trustworthy, the more they were willing to offer him more and more of their life. That's a process called spiritual growth. And so maybe you're here right now, and, and maybe you've never offered Jesus any part of your life. You've never placed your trust in him. I would say, take the first step today. Trust him. Jesus, I'm going to trust you that you know what you're talking about. Maybe start there. I'm going to trust that you know what you're talking about, that you were telling the truth. And so I'm just going to trust with this much. And then you're going to explore a little bit about what he said. I'm going to trust what he said. And then you're going to give a little bit more of your life. I'm going to put my belief in you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Trust him a little bit more. Oh, I, I'm actually going to, I'm going to release my future to you, right? I trust him a little bit more. Oh, I'm actually going to trust you with my family, that you'll take care of my family. Oh, I'm going to trust you with my finances. Some of you are like, whoa, whoa, I knew it was going there. <laughs> but you need to realize that every time you trust Jesus with more and more, what you will find is he is trustworthy, and that's the growth, the spiritual growth that we're talking about. And, and as Jesus is gracious with you, and you trust him with more and more, maybe some of you are already at the place where that song we sang just a few moments ago, I Surrender All, you could actually sing it wholeheartedly. Why? Because you've trusted him and found him trustworthy again and again and again. So now you're willing and you're excited to say, Jesus, I surrender Now, if Jesus is gracious with you, with that kind of a process, shouldn't you be gracious with the person that you're trying to teach, with the person that you're trying to disciple? How ridiculous for us to be impatient with those that we're trying to bring along when God is so infinitely patient with us, okay? So we want to make sure that that we, we teach others, but we give them space to process. We want to make sure that we are also having a teachable heart. Next fill in, Jesus says, be sure of this. It's so funny. This is, 
it's essential for us to get this. There are many things that are going to be foggy and cloudy in our faith journey. There are many things that we're going to see two sides of an argument. There are many things that we're going to say, I don't see the road ahead. I don't know clearly where it is I should go, what decision I should make here. Lots of times we're going to find that is the reality of living life and trying to live our faith out in this fallen world. But Jesus says, no matter what kind of darkness you're wandering through, no matter what kind of cloudiness you're working on, and no matter what kind of challenge you might find ahead of you, I want you to be sure of this. He doesn't say, I want you to be hopeful about this. He says, I want you to be sure. He, he doesn't even talk in terms of faith. He's not like, you know, trust that this is or could be the reality. He's saying, be absolutely certain of this. What is it that we're to be sure of? We're to be sure that he is with us. Jesus says, I am with you. I am with you. Are you sure of this? He wants you to be sure of this. He wants you to be absolutely sure that he is with us. Now, a couple of interesting things about this phrase, him using it right here. We're at the very end. We're at the, we're at the drop-off end of Matthew. If you go all the way back to the very beginning of the book of Matthew, there's an Old Testament title that's put over Jesus and the birth of Jesus. And it's the word Emmanuel. It's the title Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So Matthew begins in chapter 1 with this promise, God with us. Matthew ends in chapter 28 with the promise, Jesus, I am with you. He steps fully into the mantle of the prophetic utterance that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And by the way, you read through the middle of Matthew and you'll see example after example after example of God actually being with us. I want you to understand what's going on in the book of Matthew. Jesus is saying, I am with you. Be sure of this, that I am with you. The question is, when is he with us? The answer, next fill-in, always. He's always with us. Always, no matter what. He says, even to the end of the age, even to the ends of the earth, no matter what, I am with you. I am with you when you think you're doing well and you think you're following my commandments well and you're showing up well, I am with you. You can be sure of it. And I am with you when you don't think you're doing so well and you're not following my commands so well and you're not showing up where I'm calling you to show up very well. I am still with you. I want you to be sure of it. Friends, you will never face a challenge. You will never face a trial. You will never face a choice on your own. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. And he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. Be sure. Be sure of this. He is with you. And what I want you to do, I want you to write down somewhere in the margin this phrase, the with God life. The with 
God life. Jesus has declared that he's with you. Question is, do you see yourself with him? Do you live the with God life? Jesus say, I'm living the with Mike life and the with you know, Don life and the with Andrew life. D- Jesus is living that life. But, but what life are we living? Are we living the with Jesus life? And the problem as I go through a series called Show Up, and we're talking about serving in our mentality, serving with our hands, serving with our feet, the, the problem is some of us can get the erroneous conclusion that the entire faith journey is simply a huge to-do list for God. We have to go and do more things for God. And we got to spend more money for God. We got to spend more time for God. We got to do a whole bunch of stuff for God. And if that's what you think, then I just want to be really clear that I'm not doing a good job communicating. But not only that, I just want to say just out loud, very publicly, I find that framework exhausting. The idea that all I have is simply to go, go places and do a bunch of stuff, exhaust myself, spend my resources for God sounds lonely and it sounds depleting and it does not sound like abundant life. And so let me just be really clear. That's not what Jesus invites us into. He invites us into the with God life. He never says you have to do this for God. He says, let's do this with God. I am with you and you're with me. And suddenly it, it just changes the whole paradigm. Because now everywhere I go to show up, Jesus is showing up with me. And every time I use my hands to serve, Jesus is serving with me. And every time I even think about someone, if I pray for someone, if I project my thoughts towards someone and I'm intentional about blessing or serving, Jesus is right there. And when you're serving with Jesus, guess what? You get to see his glory right in front of you. You get to see the kingdom unfold right in front of you. You get to be a part of miracles you never thought you could be a part of if you live with with God life. That's the invitation, okay? And, and, and I want to be really, really clear because this all ties right back into like John chapter 10 where Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, that's just it. If, you, if your picture of Christianity is boring, if it's exhausting, if it's just, you know, just the hopeless morality that you can never attain, then obviously you're, you're not getting the entire picture of Jesus with you. Always be sure of this. Be sure of it. And so what I want to do as I close, I want to issue a practical challenge. And I'm not going to tell you what the practical challenge is. You have to discern what it is. That the Lord is speaking to you and Jesus is with you. And so you maybe already have on your heart some of the answers to these questions I'm going to ask. But the practical challenge has to do with this. Is there a place in the world where Jesus is calling you to go? Is there, is there a people in the world, a a group, or maybe an individual that Jesus is calling you to serve right now. I'm I'm talking about you individually. Right now, I'm talking about as as you are walking with Jesus, seeking to live the with Jesus life, is there a kingdom cause that Jesus is calling you to shoulder? You can write it down. 
And maybe it's not across the ocean. Maybe it's not across continents. Maybe it's across town. Maybe it's around the corner. If, if, If Jesus is nudging you, if you feel him prompting, if you feel God leading you to go and show up with your feet, write it down. And then the second question, what is preventing you from going? What's holding you back? What's dragging you away from this abundance that Jesus is inviting you into? This beautiful glory of you showing up with your feet exactly where he's leading you to go. Because Jesus says, all the authority in the entire universe has been conferred to me by my dad, who is the God of it all. Therefore, go. That's your posture. Go, not stay, go. And and he's not saying, you know, bail on your mortgage and leave your family behind. He's not saying drop out of school or quit your job. Uh, Some of you might need to change jobs, but I'm just saying that the the, the idea is he's not just saying, you know, just just drop out of it all and, and go. He's saying, no, no, no. Where you show up, show up. Wherever you go, show up with all of your intentionality to serve and bless and all of your ability to make a tangible, practical change as you serve and make sure that you're willing to go where it is that God leads and where it is that God prompts. And as you live this life, Jesus says, be sure that I am with you always, always with you. You know, in Christ, if you're a Jesus follower, You are free. The Bible is very, very clear that you are free. You have been set free from everything that has mastered you, from every chain that has held you bound. You are free. You're free from the old law. You're you're free from the burdens of mankind. You're free from the, the mandates of culture. You are free. But the Bible is also clear. Use your freedom well. Use your freedom on behalf of others who are not quite so free as you. Galatians chapter 5 says this. This is where we'll close. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. Why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to pray for clarity and for courage. We're going to pray for clarity and for courage because we want to do that. We want to serve one another in love. We want to show up with our feet. But so often we're afraid, and so often we're confused. And so right now, I just, I want you to join me Okay, would you just bow your heads and let's pray together. And Jesus, we do ask that you would give us your clarity. We ask that you would be the one who speaks into our lives and shows us where it is that you are leading us to go. Who it is that you are leading us to serve. How it is that you want us to be agents of freedom and agents of love in this world 
that you love so much you died to save. Thank you, Jesus. We not only want clarity, but we ask for courage. We ask that you would allow us to trust you, trust you with the little bit of our lives and prove yourself trustworthy to us and then call us to trust you with more and with more and with more. We want to be found courageous in your kingdom, Lord Jesus. We want to be agents of your love in this world. So show us what it means to show up with our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.